Hello, you beautiful people and you dirty animals. Welcome back to Divine Dingo. I'm your host, Ashley, and I am really excited for you guys to listen to this episode today. I interviewed my friend, Misha Gross, who has a farm with her partner, Dan, in the Southern Coastal Range Mountains of Oregon. I first met Dan and Misha when I volunteered on their farm for about six weeks last year. It was one of the better experiences that I had in my life or that I have had in my life so far. It was really great just to wake up early in the morning and go out and just first thing I do is feed all the animals. And so especially for me, somebody who just loves animals so much and interacting with them, it's but I hate getting up early um, or I have historically not enjoyed getting up super early. But when I have a reason to get up early, especially if it's an animal, it's way easier. And it's like, I find joy in it. And I would jump at the opportunity to be the one to wake up in the morning to feed the animals. And it was just something so simple, just saying hello to the barn cats, Hoyt and Boyd, and giving them their food and just how grateful they were to see me in the mornings and then greeting all the goats in the morning and then walking over to the ducks who were already like halfway towards the cabin that I was staying in. Just like, um, hello, uh, are you gonna fucking feed us or what? And I was like, quack, quack, am I right? And yeah, just waking up and feeding those animals and hanging out with all the other human animals on the farm for the time that I was there. It was just such a great experience. And I got two really great friends out of it. And yeah, I got to sit down and talk to one of them today. Misha, one of the first things I noticed when I was staying on the farm was just how much uh, like fungus and mushroom art there was. And uh, I I feel like she had a mushroom shirt. I know that she has one now uh, because her partner Dan got her one that says, I like lichen, but like is spelled L-I-C-H, like lichen, get it? He loves it. She loves it. It's great. But definitely was aware of how much Misha loved mushrooms and loved fungus and, and loved talking about that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, of all the knowledge that Misha has in her beautiful, beautiful head. This was one of the things I was most excited to talk to her about. And so I got her on the podcast today. We talk about animal communication, fungus, death, and boobs. I don't know. It gets weird because that is the kind of friendship that I have with Misha and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love her. I love this episode and I hope you do too. So Without further ado, before I make any more of a mess of this intro, goblins, gals, and goats alike, please welcome Misha Gross. as a part of my life for like there hasn't been a point where I haven't had an animal and if if there was it was such a small section of my life but yeah I've had animals in my life all all of it and 
Um, I my first cat. He was he was 21 when I was 21, and hmm. he actually ended up dying at 21, and I was also that age. So I had like a kind of mind blowing ex first experience with death. That was just it was to have it be that personal and have it be like an animal that I've lived with my entire life just it really kind of hit home and definitely made me think about death in a highly personal way um that's that's to me like memorable I mean on the farm there's animals everywhere and they're just a very like normal part of my life and yeah we we live with them every day i'm an animal i'm a human animal dan's a human animal like we're all <laughs> like we all have connections with each other whether they're like positive or negative i mean they you know goats annoy me sometimes <laughs> and i'm sure i annoy them too um but yeah like our world is just completely surrounded surrounded with animals and they're like we all need each other on this little little farm that we have so yeah I don't have like really really specific stories but would just say that they are like crucial to me being a human being and like operating a farm we try and have like symbiotic relationships with with animals as much as we can because they are important to growing food um, you know like a you can talk about they play a vital component in you know keeping the blackberries back or the grass back and they're taking things that you know we can't eat like grass and breaking it down in their rumen pooping it out and then we're able to use that that like captured nitrogen mm -hmm. and get it right into our compost and as long as it ages properly you know that is what gets used to feed our gardens so they're like there's so many different ways that they have become vital to our life on the farm i feel like i can hear little ducks in you the background can hear now little ducks yeah <laughs> that makes me happy um do you want to just say like what what kind of animals like do you have on the farm that mm -hmm. you interact with on a daily basis yeah yeah so we've got like the classics we've got a herd of goats mm -hmm. we've got a flock of ducks a flock of chickens we've got three german shepherds we've got two human animals here right now <laughs> i guess three yes, yes. three human am animals <laughs> and then we've got four cats and yeah, that, I, as I was saying before, like each of them, you could talk individually about like what role they serve here mm -hmm. beyond like entertainment and cuddling and mm -hmm. cuteness. They like cats, rodent, rodent control, you know, or rodent prevention. Ducks are important for like slug and pest control. Um, they're like, they're foraging all around the property and pooping and fertilizing fertilizing the land and kind of like recycling nutrients back into the soil same with chickens yeah they all just like and I, i'm maybe a little bit more like farm role centric with mm -hmm. this but like yeah it they're just very vital beyond like the 
the like emotional connection that you have have with animals too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like uh, while you may have gotten the animals to uh, like help work the farm in a way, you can't help but to to connect with them and to love them. And it might not be, I mean, you name every one of your goats, right? And it's like, while they do play a big role and you can talk about how um, that role is on the farm and it keeps it going, you're like, but, you know, Totino has this personality and then like Gertie is this way sure. and like they all have their preferences and like how their play styles and things like that. And I don't know so much about like the ducks though. It's like, do you see that each, do they have individual personalities or? Oh man, not really so much. Um, and you can kind of like notice it when they're younger but like once they get to like a certain age they Mm kind of just all look the same and it's hard like they don't they don't have like goat type of individual personalities Mm -hmm. they kind of like follow each other yeah um they just they have that like flock mentality you know like i'm we're doing this thing as one one group but yeah like that's a really fascinating part to me about like having animals and observing animals is there like social dynamics how how do like how does a herd of goat goats operate you know socially because they're like they're highly social animals and they have kind of like a hierarchy Mm -hmm. thing um and it's just neat to see just to like observe in a like sociological way of of like are they, you know, are they playing? Are like, what's the like dynamics between our alpha and the like lower, lower in stature goats? Mm-hmm. Um, and just like how curious goats are too, I I think is really sweet and just a a special part of raising goats is that like they are very curious about who you are Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they can be kind of annoying like Gertie, of course, (laughs) but like there's a, there's the love there for like curious animals. I've Mm -hmm. always just been, I'm naturally curious. And to me, like keeping as much of your like childlike curiosity is so important throughout life. And to have like animals remind you of, of that, Mm -hmm. I think there's there's so much about raising animals that I am like I'm receiving that's wonderful you know that that maybe I'm not like as conscientious about mm-hmm. but that one like the reminder to be a child and to be curious and to be like social with with other people and other animals is it's a really really neat reminder do you feel like there is a level of communication happening between like or would you call it communication? Is it between the the different types of animals that you have and you, or maybe the animals in the land? Is it like this this knowing that like it's their job to do that they just do it? I don't know what, what question I is. Do you notice like a communication that keeps the farm going? I mean, you just mentioned communication. Like there is very obvious forms of communication, like vocal, very vocal forms of communication. Like just even listening to the ducks, like they're always listening for us, mm-hmm. whether it's like the door opening right before the sun's going down. Okay. They know they're getting fed. So they'll go whack, 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 like at just, <laughs> you know, they'll make a huge, huge noise. And there's like call and response that I like really value with animals. And I know that's not necessarily what you're asking mm-hmm. about, but it's like, 
it's very physical communication, like vocal communication. Like with the goats. Yeah, like yelling see, goats. Yeah. And, you uh-huh. know, it's obviously like, entertaining, but yeah. it's, you know, they're, I'm like checking in on them and maybe they're checking in on me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they're, you know, not in this pasture anymore. So we have to make sure that we're kind of like constantly checking in with them. And sometimes they will like stand at the fence, goats specifically will stand at the fence looking at you and they're like trying to get your attention. They're trying to tell you something like mm-hmm. whether I'm sick or like I need attention to some degree um, or I need water, I need salt, you know, like there's different reasons why goats are trying to get your attention and it's not not always just about food, at least in my like interpretation of what's what's happening out here. There's like these micro forms of of communication that you just after living in a place like this for six years you just it be like these micro forms of communication just become like a part of who you are you're noticing little things about goat like what goats are saying or like what animals are saying beyond these like verbal verbal cues Mm -hmm. um yeah that that I've always found really, really interesting about animals. They are communicating beyond mm-hmm. that vocal vocal part. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds like what you're describing is like a, a rhythm that you guys like get into. And it's almost like um, that rhythm is a way that you guys are communicating with one another. It's um, just like that internal clock that they have. But also just with... Like, I mean, I, I walked out this morning to like kind of not even like near the ducks and it's like they heard my footsteps because they didn't start talking once the, the door was open. They could like hear, I don't know, sense me coming yeah. or something. Who yeah. knows? But they were just like, wah, 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 wah. I was like, oh, sorry, I have nothing to give you other than just like being here with you right now. For sure. Um, yeah. And it like goes beyond maybe just sound, you know, like yeah. we're we're only we've got like a limited sense spectrum, mm-hmm. like you know, dogs have incredible sense of smell. Like, yeah, what do, what do, what are ducks sensing? What are ducks smelling? You know, like there's, there's so many different ways that animals communicate that we just really don't understand. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't claim to understand animals, you know, only, only to the degree that I can, you know? Yeah. Because people talk about like communicating with animals and like uh, like having like a psychic ability to communicate with animals, like dropping out of the mental space, going into the heart space and just kind of like tapping into their energy. But I'm also, which I am interested in, but I'm also interested in just like the subtle communications that we have and like trying to take the idea of animal communication and, and bring it down and make it accessible for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, and to have conversations like this because we are communicating with our animals constantly, mm-hmm. you know, if it's by touch or by like a obvious like goat call mm-hmm. or if it's just like eye contact, yeah. just, just body having language. body language. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I've talked to certain people that might be struggling with like an anxious dog or an easily excitable dog. And it's like, they might, I, I talk about like their body language when they're walking the dog or just near the dog, like having a chest, like a, a tall chest, pressing your chest out, keeping your head like straight and high, your chin high, and just like having that confident posture, mm-hmm. that body language the dogs really pick up on. And dogs specifically, like when I was working with dogs, we were taught to use our bodies to communicate with them mm-hmm. a lot. And yeah. so if I wanted to like let them know that I was in charge, 
when they're like jumping on me or like I might like put like an elbow into them or mm-hmm. might turn my body into them. So it's like, cause when you just look, make eye contact with a dog or touch your hands on the dog, you know, like you're, you're telling the dog to get down, kind of pushing it down. The dog is like, Oh, you're looking at me, talking to me and touching me. You want me to keep jumping right. on you. You're like so, affirming what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. And it's just so it's a, in people like spend so much time, and energy trying to figure out like the way that dogs work and their brains and all that. And while I do think that there's value in that, I do think that there's also value in just like, just trusting that it might be a little bit more simple than that. And just like, just let them know like that you're there for them. And it's not so much, I think uh, when I was younger, I got into the idea of, of being the alpha and like dominating the dog mm-hmm. and for like a power move. Yeah. And I've realized it's not so much that as it is just letting them know that they have like a confident leader that they can mm-hmm. trust and yeah. fall back on. Um, and I think that like, without knowing it, that was the goal that I was working towards. But in my mind, I was like, I'm going to play these games with them to let them know that I'm alpha. And it's like, I don't actually give a shit about yeah. being alpha. And also like, I'm a human and I don't need to like get into the hierarchies of mm-hmm. like the dog kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, having three German shepherds has like changed. I mean, each, like our approach to each one of them we've had to like adapt a little bit. Like Sequoia was our first puppy and we were like 110% with her and like very firm and, you know, made sure we did, tried to do like everything right. But, you know, Spruce, Spruce came around and he was definitely like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. So we had to, sh- <laughs> we had to shift from like the kind of like overly firm or, you know, negative reinforcing to a totally different type of you know technique of trying to like affirm all the like positive things that he does and like moving into Yara that like I think the sense of wanting to like control a little bit was dropped like there was like this relaxing of wanting to like have control over these animals that are you can't like fully control I mean it's obviously really important to have a dog that like comes when you ask them to especially Mm -hmm. on a farm Mm -hmm. there's any like trouble like hey there's a bear in the orchard okay let's like come back you Mm -hmm. know like I don't don't want you to get in trouble so those those commands are really important but like by the time we got to Yara it was just like it's just so much work and so much stress to like constantly feel like you need to control a dog, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of like let them do what they need to do and but balance that out with like these are the important things that you need to listen to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we kind of calmed down. Yeah, a little bit. And it does also like with German shepherds, they're working dogs. So like there are certain breeds that are bred to have a job, and so they do better if they have a job. So like some people get German Shepherds to be like a leisurely pet, Mm -hmm. but it's like, if you can give them a job, like even if it's just something simple, like you were talking about how you, um, you trained Sequoia to like mushroom hunt. Right. And so she like can kind of, what what did you say that she can find? She can find, uh, white truffles, white truffles. Right. Okay. Cause the white truffles are like truffles in general. You want, you need animals or they, do you need animals to find them? You, I think you should use them. Should we? (laughs) Ring-a-ding-ding. Should we stop for a second? Okay. 
Right, so if you don't have an animal and you're looking for truffles, it just becomes a lot harder. Yeah, harder and, I mean, you can totally do it. It's just you're not, like, caring for the forest ecosystem as mm-hmm. much when you're doing it alone because you can you can tend to be, like, raking and lifting up the soil more if you're on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, like, an animal can, like, sniff it out and like pinpoint the exact area where a truffle maybe was or a truffle is so you can you know just take your hand hand rake and rake away the soil and Mm -hmm. potentially find find truffles right there but yeah i like highly recommend an animal Mm -hmm. that like a hundred maybe more than a hundred times human sense of smell yeah it's i mean that's really impressive Mm -hmm. that means they like I always wonder if they, like, potentially have smelled a truffle that was there, you know, that, you know, isn't currently there anymore because a rodent got it or something. Yeah. But, yeah, highly recommend an animal. And Sequoia is the one of your dogs that you did train to find truffles. Yes. Right. Yep. And you just did that with, like, you you were we were talking earlier about you were, like, hiding it under the carpet and Mm -hmm. things like that. And you really just got, like, one truffle and Mm -hmm. trained her with that. Yep. That's great. Yeah, yeah, we got a white truffle from the truffle festival in Eugene. Oh, cool. Um, and yeah, you can just wrap it in saran wrap and you know put it in the freezer when you're not using it, and mm-hmm. it like it's got such a strong aroma, and it's like trapped in the saran wrap too, mm-hmm. that like they like dogs will pick it up immediately, mm-hmm. you know. So you can like keep using the same truffle, um, but. You can also, like, if, if your dog's not trained at all with, like, sense of, sense of smell or, like, you, you can choose an item that has, like, a potent smell. Like, garlic. You can start, start with them because they, like, smell that really easily. Um, so you can start the training with, with that and then move your way into truffles. Okay. You don't like personally own a truffle. Yeah. They're kind of hard to find. If you don't have an animal that's trained for it. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, all right, I have an animal to find the truffles. How do I get the animal to find the truffles and train the... Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to put it all together. For sure. I did hear, and we were talking about this earlier, but like pigs too. And you said something that the truffle will emit like the male pheromone. Is that truffles or is that just mushrooms or is it That's specific truffles. to truffles? Yeah. yeah, that is specific to truffles. And it's the pig male pheromone or is it just a male? So yeah, you could, you could fact check this, but I'm pretty certain you're taking a female pig out mm-hmm. and the truffle is emitting the male pheromones. It's like it wants to be found. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. It does want to be found. Because, like, it's... So the truffle is actually reliant on, like, a rodent or a flying squirrel to find it and eat it. And then it will poop out the spores. And the spores will last within the digestive system of a rodent. And so, like, that flying squirrel or that rodent is going to take the truffle somewhere else in their their digestive system Mm -hmm. and poop it out somewhere else. So that's, like, they're getting this, like reproductive advantage and this distribution by this this smaller animal that's taking it somewhere else so it's yeah it's just this really interesting symbiotic relationship and that's why the truffle has like adapted to smell really strong because it's underground you know and needs needs an animal to find it yeah so 
I it's wonder pretty fascinating. If, yeah, that's fascinating. Um, it's almost like, I mean, you hear about things like that with different, like, flowers that will um that look a different certain way to different pollinators mm-hmm. right then they look to us to attract them to it but it does almost feel like um i guess from a human perspective it's like the these flowers or these um now is it fungi fun i remember when we first met you said it doesn't really matter if it's fungi or fungi i always say just say it with confidence oh honestly that's, i love that that's what my my mycology teacher said because uh-huh. there's like you're learning all the different like latin names mm-hmm. for for fungi and like so many people say things differently like there's a group of mushrooms called rusula but i've heard rusula you know like there's just a lot of different ways to say it but i usually say fungi yeah that's a good advice to just take in life if because sometimes i like struggle with words and i'm like i don't know if i'm pronouncing this correctly mm-hmm. um but saying it with confidence mm-hmm. i like that you might always you might still run into that asshole that's just like um do you mean fungi and right. it's like um, maybe I don't know. Or fungi, I've fungi? heard. I know no, it's like, I don't like uh-uh. it. <laughs> that just doesn't. It's like you know, say it makes that me one close with up. less confidence. Exactly, <laughs> fungi. Fungi. That sounds like baby talk for fungi. Yeah, totally. fungi. Oh god, not in my head. Say it with confidence, Ashley. Fungus. <laughs> say it like totally wrong. Fungus does not sound right. There's fungus amongus. There's it's fungus. All right. <laughs> I said it with confidence. Yes, that's true. <laughs> I understand what you mean. <laughs> but it does almost seem like they have like, there's like a mind to it, right? Yeah. But it might just be, because with us, it's like our mind is in our brain and that is where we like process and think about plans and think about like how we're going to do things, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it's, I mean, so you took a class mm-hmm. and then, so that's how you first got into mushrooms mm-hmm. and that's where your, your knowledge comes from? Yeah, I think it was around like, has it, is it like nine years ago? I took, yeah. I just on like this kind of like intuitive whim mm-hmm. saw that they had a mushroom biology class at Lane Community College and that it was like very well known and just like highly touted because you didn't necessarily need like a science background, but the class was intensive mm-hmm. and there was a lot of like field work um, where you're like literally with an expert and you're getting this like field mm-hmm. kind of like rein- reinforcement. And so it's like that, like you need that type of field education when you're trying to identify mushrooms. You just need that like feedback with an expert um, in order to like really understand the world. But yeah, like on a very like, I'm very intrigued by fungi on on that type of like whim just decided to take the class and like i immediately fell in love with with fungi mm-hmm. and like just being out in the field looking it's like a treasure hunt you yeah. know it's like and you know everyone's so hyper focused on like culinary mushrooms and going out to find things that you can use but i was just always like interested in the diversity of fungi out there and like the different different techniques and tactics they use to like reproduce or to get found or not to get found. Mm-hmm. Um, the variety of like bright colors in this like overly green forest landscape, mm-hmm. you know, like like that violet cortinarius popping yeah. out or like the... Um, Amanita muscaria, which is the one that's like bright red with 
white warts. Like, why does it do that? And yeah. there's just, there's so much intrigue about mushrooms and they're so under-researched and so mis misunderstood mm-hmm. um, that like you, your mind is just blown at like how much we don't know about that the fungi queendom. I call it a queendom. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not a kingdom, a queendom. That's on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I felt like a, not necessarily like a, a feminine connection with mm-hmm. it, but just a like a literal, literal like grounded connection with them. Mm-hmm. Because like the, the mushroom itself is the fruiting body of the organism. So it's like the apple on the tree. What the main organism is, is mycelium, which you've probably heard of, but yeah. it's just like this network of fungal filaments that like connect to each other. It, it's almost like, it looks like a neural network. Like if you were to see a photo of our neural network, it's just like branching, branching filaments that are connecting and like trying to look for connections. So I felt this like, there was something that really vibed with that like connection to soil and like trying to make connections with living, living beings, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about um, symbiotic relationships, how there's a, a group of fungi called mycorrhizal fungi that pairs with um, plants and trees. And it literally, the mycelium connects to the roots of trees and plants and has this beneficial relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fungi can't. Um, they they need to, they have to find food from another source. They're not like plants where they you know take in the sun's energy mm-hmm. and you know use the sun sun's energy as its food source. They actually need to find it from somewhere else. Just like humans, like that's. That's kind of why we are like highly related to mm-hmm. fungi is like, it's called heterotrophs where we need food from another source. We can't get it just from the sun. Um, so what mycorrhizal fungi do is they'll latch on to the roots of plants and trees and will use the energy that the tree is getting from the sun via like sugars and carbohydrates So they'll get that type of energy. The fungi will get those sugars. And then the fungi are really good at like mining for minerals and like all these nutrients in the soil Mm -hmm. that the tree or plant can't get on its own. And they're sending that like network down to find those things. So is it almost, so it's, is it like roots, like mushroom roots essentially? I mean, it kind of is. But it's, it's like kind of more complex than that because it's like, a whole network mm-hmm. and is it like one type of mushroom are all the mushrooms connected to this network even though they're different kinds or they're like different you said it's mycelium mm-hmm. so is it like um for instance if there were like morel mushrooms is there like a mycelium network just for morels or like all of so okay so yeah. but then like so th- so then there's all these different networks i wonder mm-hmm. if they like overlap and communicate with each other i i would like I would definitely say so. Yeah. And it really depends on the like species of mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking about mycorrhizal fungi. Like there are certain trees like Doug fir really loves like having a relationship with chanterelle mycelium. Like mm-hmm. they just 
they have that type of connection. And there can be other families of mushrooms like Rushala or the Amanita that also have a relationship with one Doug fir. Mm -hmm. So like Doug furs can be like highly diverse as far as who they're taking in as partners while like something like a, a cedar is much more individualistic as far as mm -hmm. who it pairs with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they tend to not have as many fungal partners and like to pick like one species that they have a relationship with. So it like is very complex the moment you like start thinking about different tree species or plant species, you know, so it's, it's highly dependent on, on which one you're talking about. Yeah. It almost kind of sounds like the way that they got food, the way that you describe the mycelium, mycelium mm -hmm. network is like parasitic. Mm -hmm. Is that, cause I know, I remember you talking about how there's like, cause some mushrooms will grow on dead trees. Mm -hmm. And so then they're taking the nutrients like from the dead tree. Like, mm -hmm. how, and so then, then that's a different, is that a different network? Is it, the, is it mycelium network or, you know, cause one tree is alive and they're using that sources. So do you know what I'm trying to ask? <laughs> yeah. So there's like, I could start by saying there's like three different types of, you would call it like mushroom ecology, but I just call them like mushroom types. So there's saprophytic, which is what you were talking about. I got to stop hitting the table. Sorry. <laughs> I like it. It's adding like a base to the, to the, to the podcast. Stop hitting the table, Misha. Yeah. Okay, it's so fine. there's three types of mushrooms. So there's saprophytic, which is what you were talking about. The dead about. trees. Yes, the dead they're trees. like recycling wood, mm -hmm. essentially. And they're okay. using the like nutrients in the wood. That's their food. Okay. So that's how they survive. And like, if we didn't have saprophytic fungi, we would just have like piles of wood in the forest. Yeah. You know, we'd have like piles of carbon just sitting around mm -hmm. without anything really like breaking it down. So they're highly crucial. Like having wood broken down is new soil, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're just incredibly crucial to so many different ecosystems. So you've got saprophytic, then you've got mycorrhizal, which is what I was just talking about, how it's like a mutually symbiotic relationship with a fungus mm -hmm. and a plant. And symbiotic is different from parasitic or? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then the last one is parasitic, which it's usually they are feeding off of a living, living being and usually to the detriment of, okay. of the tree or the plant or, you know, whatever. Rather than that, that symbiotic where it's like the tree is aware that it can like give some of its resources to yep. the mushroom because they're getting something from each other. Yep. Exactly. And like the thing about parasitic fungi is that a lot of times they'll like, they'll maybe start off uh, parasitic and like, you know, select a tree in the forest that's maybe old or unhealthy and will parasitize that. And then once, once the tree's dead, they'll kind of like move into saprophytic, a saprophytic life oh, cycle. Yeah. So they'll like finish out the kind of the life cycle and then recycle the tree ultimately to the soil. So it's like, you know, we always put like a human value judgment on parasitism, mm -hmm. but like they are ultimately like creating more soil and more like food for other organisms in in the like ecological space. Yeah. So 
yeah, it's it's important to kind of like check yourself sometimes with the with the like parasitism is bad, you know, type yeah. of notion. And it can it can like parasites, fungal parasites can totally like wreak wreak havoc on like crops, agricultural crops, or like your lungs or your digestive system, you know, mm. things like, um, fungal pneumonia mm. is, yeah, it's, that's a fun fungus that's kind of breaking down your system. Mm. Um, so they, they can totally wreak havoc, but it's, it's kind of important to put like scale on the table and just remember that like, Things are getting recycled and broken down. Um, and a lot of times parasites are taking out things that are unhealthy to the entire system. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so just kind of check yourself every once in a while with the yeah. parasite thing. I When I think of a parasite, I think of like a, just like a worm latching onto me and sucking my, my life force out. Yeah. Um, but also I think that that kind of goes back to like, we are so afraid of death maybe that we're like, oh, but a fungus is like, it's it's eating me and it's killing me on the inside. But like nature is not as like hung up on keeping you alive as you are, right? Because sure. like death is just a part of it. And it yeah. sounds like um, mushrooms are, they work a lot with death and it's like death gives them life. They sound almost like they're like creatures of the underworld or something, totally. right? I mean, they literally are. Like, yeah. I think that's why, like, I'm so fascinated with, with, yeah, like these kind of liminal species that take up this like niche of dealing with death mm-hmm. or dealing with like waste, like animals like a you know vulture, you know they they have like a crazy sense of smell and can smell like decomposing animals from way far away mm-hmm. and they are like also the great recyclers and of course they have like this cultural portrayal as like a you know harbinger of death right you know just like you uh fungi has been vilified for for most of like humans interaction with fungi Mm -hmm. now there's kind of like a complete reversal of that Mm -hmm. there's much more like interest in fungi in general and how it can how it can help help the world out but like for so long fungi have been demonized you know they're just called like the they were called the toadstool it's literally just like a organism that a toad can sit on you know like so so there's this like general disgust with with fungi so to like and again you're right like it's dealing with death and like recycling it back back into back into ecosystems where we need it um so yeah i've always been like fascinated with with species that kind of like fill those like icky places that Mm -hmm. people don't want to sit they don't want to sit with those yeah. those types of feelings, um, but they're like so crucial, you know? Mm-hmm. They're just a really vital part of how our ecosystems function. Yeah. And so like I have heard that mushrooms cannot be classified as plant or animal. Do you, when you were um, learning about them, did that, did that come up as mm-hmm. like a why does that happen mm-hmm. or like what kind of qualities make are they, like are they leaning yeah. towards more animal or more plant or are they just really in the middle they are leaning more towards animal mm-hmm. and like 
when we, you know, I think it was in, within the first week of, of the class I took, like we were just simply trying to define what it means to be a fungi, you know, what it means, means to be a, a fungus. Um, and there's like different qualities where you can see, oh, that's more like, a, like an animal or that's like more like a plant, but ultimately they're not like both animals and fungi are not closely related to plants animals and fungi are more closely related to each other. Mm. And like a, a lot of what I was talking about has to do with um, being uh, heterotrophs. So like they need to find food elsewhere. Mm -hmm. That's something we hold in common, in common with fungi. Um, another one being fungi in their cell walls produce chitin. And that's like the exoskeletons of of um, lobster and crab, mm -hmm. and so that's like a part of the cell wall of fungi. That's something we also hold in common with animals, or sorry, fungi and animals hold in common. But again, like fungi don't can't um, take in chlorophyll, so they like you know they can't get sugars sugars from the sun, and that's ultimately something that we we have in common with mm -hmm. with fungi so yeah we are like more closely related to fungi than plants are related to animals and to fungi mm -hmm. so, i feel yeah. like we're almost like doing our classification system in nature is almost doing it an injustice by saying like it's either like plant or animal mm -hmm. right because i feel like if we had more um like categories or subcategories and we might we might I just I'm not like educated in that field uh per se but mm -hmm. um because then we can find I guess it's just like plants animals and then fungus right mm -hmm. and is that how it is classified is there's that three or do they just kind of like drift back and forth or? um so I guess fungi and animals would be in what's called a sister group which I love mm -hmm. they're just like they would be called cousins and they have like a common common ancestor mm. whereas plants is kind of in its like another they're related but not not in that same sister group mm -hmm. and yeah i i would talk to more of like an expert in in that type of like evolutionary biology. you're my expert i know <laughs> <laughs> but they are a part of the quote like same sister group okay so you can start with that yeah <laughs> Yeah, I just, um, oh, where was I going to go? It's okay. I don't know. Can be, can be awkward. Fungus. Yeah, <laughs> fungus. Fungus. Fungi. Uh, fuck, where did my thought go? I was like listening to you. I was like, I have so many questions. I, it, I was like man. following this. What was I talking then, about? Um, it's probably, I just feel like, um, when I lose a thought like that, it's just like somebody's like, no, mm -mm, you're not supposed to ask that question. Yeah, I'm like, but I want to talk about fungus. For sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, mycelium, I, it's just, it's interesting to think about how we connect with, with the living world. And the concept of mycelium was just such a like, beautiful visualization for me because they are... Like the filaments in mycelium are like constantly looking for connections that they can make in the world. And they're like trying different things out, whether they're parasitic, whether they're mycorrhizal or saprophytic. I really just vibed with the like goal of like trying to connect with other things and like exchange 
exchange skills or exchange exchange communication you know Mm -hmm. and like I think that's something that's important now with like COVID is like we're social animals and Mm -hmm. we're curious animals and to like try and connect with other other people and living living beings in different trying different ways to connect connect with others um so that like the mycelium view just became such a like beautiful visualization of that that goal and like how like humans communicate Mm -hmm. with each other Mm because we don't we have like this invisible network that connects all of us right because it's like when you walk into a room and you can just sense the energy that's like happening if there's tension between two people if like uh, your partner's in like, you know, going through a mood if they're like really internal that day. You can like feel it. And yeah. It's like this invisible thread that we have. Totally. You know, and I think that too, like with things like a national pandemic and then the second civil rights movement and things like that, that are really like affecting the collective network. We're all a part of it. Yeah. And I've ha- um, had people kind of just talk about how like, oh, I don't know. Like everything seems to be going fine in my personal life, but I'm just like interactions I'm having. Um, I'm just like getting more frustrated with people, but mm-hmm. I don't have like a quote reason to be frustrated with people. And it's like, well, if we're all connected to this like invisible network, like it's fucking. We can feel the collective network, especially right now. Like mm-hmm. you just sense that there's a lot of energy a lot of like heightened energy and yeah if you like visualize it as like we're just like all threaded to each other and if something gets tugged we're kind of all going all going to feel it so yeah it was just this yeah really neat visualization Mm -hmm. and if one of us is like we're being tugged just with people suffering and losing people in the pandemic that might be tugging us from far away but like it's like when you um, hit a guitar string and it like kind of ripples out or something or like drop like that classic drop a stone in a pond and it ripples out the the biggest impact is right where the stone drops so then you still feel the ripple so then all of a sudden you're like why I feel like I'm pissed off for no reason or I just keep little things like I keep tripping over shit or dropping things and it's like we're all just experiencing some level of frustration even if we're not directly plugged into suffering from the pandemic or suffering from the civil rights, you know, just in, so it does go back to that, that network, that fungi Mm -hmm. is connected to. That's kind of beautiful. Cause then you also, it's like, there's so many things like that, like the way that a tree looks. That's what I'm kind of imagining is like Mm -hmm. trees above and below, like the root systems. And then you're talking about about mycelium network, talking about neurons in our brain. I don't know if you've ever seen a, um, the sack that the baby comes out of like the, you know, oh. not an, oh. it, not like, uh, you can grind it up oh, and like placenta. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's the sack? What's the package that the baby comes out of? Um, but the placenta, the veins in it look yeah. like a tree. Right? right. And it's like, so there's all these different yeah. things. You're just like, duh, 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 duh. and then I just like, it, it's so obvious that everything is so deeply connected mm-hmm. and it would just make sense that we have like these invisible threads that connect all of us. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. I know. I always make because I do like a presentation on on fungi, and always at the end I talk about mycelium being this mm-hmm. like wonderful visualization for just being more connected with others. But at the end, I always say, "Be more mycelial." Ah, uh, you know, it's just it's like that. It's it's just a way of wanting to create positive relationships with others and 
I kind of wanted to talk about this before, but like the concept of parasites we're like human humans in general i think have this like icky response to parasites because maybe in the back of our heads we see ourselves in parasites mm. you know because we are a little bit parasitic a little bit probably yeah. people would argue with me on that they'd probably say we're like pretty full-blown parasites, parasites. Yeah. you know and Honestly, in nature, most species actually have gone to parasitism more frequently. Mm -hmm. um, and mycorrhizal is more of the, like, more of the exception, you know? So yeah. it's like, yeah, it's really interesting to think about, like, what role do we have in the world? <laughs> and are, are we just frightened of things that we actually are you know yeah. like it's kind of an interesting mirror that i don't think we all are full-blown parasites i wouldn't say that i think there's like a lot of beneficial things that we do but i think it's okay to recognize that we have we have some of those those tendencies mm -hmm. too and not to like always always value judge but to like just look, try and look at it from a like balanced, balanced view. Yeah. There's a lot of flies. Yeah. yeah. One just came like right by the, the microphone, which I loved. It was just like, <laughs> it's like, you're talking about parasites, right? <laughs> I am a fly. I eat poop. I'm like, what else do you do? Um, but it's just thinking like when you said, because I've heard humans be referred to as like viruses before. Yeah. And if you do look at the way like a virus moves and you look at like humans, it's like, oh, okay, well I can see that connection uh, but I wonder if we became like we didn't start out like having this parasitic relationship with the earth and with the animals and the plants and just our natural environment but just thinking about like how capitalism almost like encourages a parasitic relationship mm -hmm. with the mm -hmm. earth and yeah I just don't feel yeah it's like thinking of, I can see how humans have more parasitic qualities now that but like we didn't start out that way mm -hmm. right we started out just working with our natural environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's hard to, like, say what came first, you know? Like, did capitalism actually arrive because mm. of parasitic tendencies? I don't know. You know, it's, it's right. I, this is, like, so... Was it, like, an idea that was birthed out of something? Like, we already, like, were leaning towards, like, taking, 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 mm -hmm. rather than... Yeah, I For see sure. what you mean. But, like, I also agree that, like, the framework of capitalism kind of, like, creates these just really shitty decisions mm -hmm. and, like, gr very greedy decisions that aren't based off of, like... I want to connect with you gen genuinely mm -hmm. and like have a, an exchange of beneficial things, you know? Yeah. It's definitely more of like a game, game theory ish mentality where you're competing and like trying, yeah, trying to out compete someone else mm -hmm. and put someone else down in order to get to those, those places. Yeah. It is like a framework that doesn't, create a good environment for making positive decisions. Right. You know? Because even with the parasitic, like, mushrooms, they are doing it for a reason. And it's not to, like, 
uh, so that they can be the top mushroom, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm the big bad mushroom. I'm going to eat you because of power. It's just because that's the natural way of things. Like, somebody has to step in, like the vulture and the, the, the mushrooms, and break things down. Mm-hmm. And it's just a cycle. So it's like humans having parasitic qualities. It's like, what if we really take a step back, I guess, just in our individual lives, and we're like, well, why? What's the purpose of this? And it does just come back to, for me, I... Maybe I'm not like above it enough, you know, like seeing a bird's eye view of it, but it does just feel like it's just for power bragging rights, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's like, we've gotten so far away from like, sometimes that parasitic energy is necessary. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times it is. And embracing that like death energy. And we've just gotten to like so far away from that. And I think that it, it is related to like our fear of death. If we just talk about death and talk about things ending, mm-hmm. um, just even with, I mean, you just, if we're talking about capitalism, like uh, people would kill themselves rather than let a business die or let an idea fall apart. Right. It's like they they'll like throw themselves into it. But sometimes like businesses die, ideas fall apart, like people die. Mm-hmm. It's like, but we, like we, I just, growing up, I was never talked about like death. You know what I mean? Other than like my great aunt died or something. And then I had to go like, look at her body. And I was just like confused, you know, but it wasn't like people die, you know? And I don't even know. I I don't think that my parents ever like lied to me when an animal died, but I know that they weren't upfront about it. Like your animal has died and it's gone now. You know, it was just very much like not talked about. I mean, for the longest time I was afraid of my own death. You know what I mean? Just like so afraid of it that I wouldn't go out and just do things that would be fun. That might be a little dangerous. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If it's just like going on a jet ski or like skydiving or something. Cause it's like, there's a possibility I could get hurt. And if I get hurt, I could die. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's, I mean, our relationship with, with death is emotionally immature. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, we don't, we just don't understand it. And there's this, you know, constant need to like preserve ourselves in formaldehyde and a box yeah. you know and it like again to kind of like bring it back to like fungi mm-hmm. and things that break break us down or recycle us that is what that like formaldehyde is like keeping us from fungi and bacteria like breaking us down into mm-hmm. soil again there's yeah. this like fear of things that just like break break us down you know and like figures or species that are a part of that process we have so often historically Mm -hmm. vilified or demonized you know like the vulture i was just talking about or or fungi like how do you like no one sits with i'm interested in it because i just like that whole world but like how does a human body decompose? Like mm-hmm. what why don't like why don't we talk about that in in a certain way that's like beautiful and like fulfilling. You know, like yeah. it's, it's just interesting. You know, I with farming, I read a lot about like how compost decomposes mm-hmm. and the way like the language that is used in how how things decompose in a compost pile is so beautifully said. But then once we like start talking about like a human, how a human being decomposes, it's all this like, it's either like technical jargon or like, yeah, not, not, not interesting enough to go into. Or like gory almost. Yeah, There'll be gory. like the eyeballs yeah. like fall out right. first. It's like, right. and then I feel like that goes back into like horror movie culture of right. just like, 
making something like so Hollywood when it's so natural. Right. Like, of course. And I just, well, I think one thing I learned when I was younger about how human bodies, like when the dying pro or mm-hmm. like after they're dying, it's like how they blow it with the yes. gas and they come out. I always think about that. And it's always mm-hmm. just been like, they turn yellow and mm-hmm. it's like, they turn into like these like monsters almost, but it's, it's sure. just, and I, that, I think that almost like ties into like religion and like being indoctrinated. And like, if God created the earth, but we're like not of the earth. And it's like when we die, rather than thinking that we go back into the earth, we go away. Mm-hmm. We either go like above the earth or below the earth to heaven or to hell. In our same form. Right. Not, not all like so putrefied and blown. I hope know? I get like, like perkier boobs, a bigger butt and like small, like I just want to be you like, d- freaking, you know, like if I'm going to die, you will, going- you'll just like fill up with like <laughs> gases and your boobs will like, you'll get the size. Never you looked better. Exactly. Never looked better i might be oh. yellow yeah a little yellow <laughs> a little yellow i mean you got this eyeball nice like hanging down <laughs> uh, mushroom do you think that mushrooms like do they grow on like dying animals um or is they, it like a is there a certain kind or I don't there, know. there's certain types so like what happens with the human body is like the like you know, you die, and then the, the you know you die, die. and that's the dying. end of the yeah. explanation. Okay, no, but there's like there's there's like the primary decomposers, and those are the ones that are like that exist in your body when you're living, and so they actually like start to like eat eat you from the inside. But they're like already in us. They're right already now. in you. What do they have a job or do they just like dormant right now? Um they 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 have like tons of jobs in cool. the body, you know, like digestive bacteria okay, so or like, like Okay. There's so many different types. It's like they types. take on they take on a new role when you die. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. And they 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 like they need a food source. <laughs> so they like they eat, eat you. eat you from the inside and that's why you kind of like so you like kind of start to ferment because mm-hmm. of that the bacteria is eating something and then it's releasing uh, a gas essentially so that's why you kind of like blow up mm-hmm. that's that like whole process of putrefication i think is the the name for it but that's yeah that's why you like swell like crazy and then there's these secondary decomposers that are like in the air or in the soil they're just in the environment around you that come in and then like decompose you from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and like fungi are a big part of that, but they tend to be like a little bit later in the process when mm-hmm. like things have <laughs> calmed down and yeah. they're not swelling as much. Um, there is a gal that um, has come out more recently. She's like claims to have this like death mushroom suit. You know, I think it's in, still in like beta phase where it's being tested out. But it's essentially like a suit that gets put on a dead body that's inoculated with a certain like mushroom that will inoculate you at you at a certain point and then like produce produce mushrooms. Oh, it's that's not really necessary, even though that's like very elegant and interesting yeah. to think about. Yeah. Like your body does it for you, right? It does it for you. And is that like beneficial to the mushroom to be breaking down? You know, right. like us, right? Because right? we have there's so much more to us than there is like a dying, decaying tree, and they already have that relationship with breaking down and getting their energy from the dying, decaying tree. But we're like full of like Cheetos and beer. Yeah, right. You know, those bacteria really need to work on yeah. those flaming hot Cheetos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mwah, so good, so good. <laughs> 
but yeah, there's like, it's, I think it's beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, I'm like inspired by like being put back into the soil that I like will become nutrients mm-hmm. for plants and fungi to thrive off of. I think that's like really fulfilling, yeah. but like, I understand the just like fear and like, I don't want to sit with that type of achiness cause I don't want to leave from this world, yeah. you know? So I, I understand where that, like that thought process yeah. takes place, but well, we're so afraid that there's like a judgment at the end of our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like if you, if you are indoctrinated into any kind of Christianity, mm-hmm. I don't know much about other religions, Christianity. I, I know very little about, but it's the one I know the most about. But if you're so worried that there is like a judgment, then it's like, oh, well, if I just had more time, if I just had more time, then I would be better, yeah. right? But, like, just if, if you... I, I wonder if, like, the the more you step away from feeling like there's a judgment at the end of it, the more you can just, like, embrace death. Yeah. Because it, I almost... I see death as a doorway. And it's literally just, like... I mean, how many times have you in your life, like, feel like, felt like a part of you died? Mm-hmm. And not, like, this dramatic way, like, when the, when that, my partner left, a part of me died. But just, like, I outgrew these habits and these patterns and that old version of me has died and now I'm this new version. And so it's like we go through death processes throughout our life, just constantly dying. Mm-hmm. But I feel like more people, maybe like people in my family or just like maybe just teachers or just people I've encountered in life that are like maybe are afraid of death. They don't embrace the fact that they do die in life. And then you meet people that pretty much stay the same their whole life. And for me, I feel like I change like every few days I'm a new person because every few days I might learn a new way of thinking and a new way of being and have a new perception. And it's like, I experienced like a death of myself and sometimes it's subtle. And sometimes like recently I feel like I went through a more uh, profound death process where I could feel parts of myself um, that didn't serve me anymore that I wanted to die. Maybe like if I was like prone to jealousy or comparing myself or a part of me, I used to party all the time and drink and I have all these identities that I've carried around with me. And I was like, became aware that they didn't serve me anymore. I was ready for them to die. I'm like, okay, these things can, can go away. And then I'll just like grow and be a new person. But then as they were dying, I was like simultaneously excited and grieving. Mm -hmm. It was like this weird, it was like a process where I was so sad, but I wasn't like consciously aware that I was sad that these parts of me were dying. But it, so it's anyways, it's just saying that like we experience death so much, but we just like, I just like, what are we so afraid of when it comes to like our physical bodies, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, because we are animals and we are of the earth. And I think I guess when, when you have, because I carry that belief with me that I am an animal and I am of the earth and I'm not afraid to, to carry that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it just, it makes the acceptance of death uh, just easier, yeah, I guess. totally. But when you're just like, oh, I'm going to like take this body and go somewhere else. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, being on the farm, like death is just, again, another like really vital, mm-hmm. vital element that you are as a farmer and as a observer of what is happening in the natural world it's just it's inevitable yeah you know Mm -hmm. and has has beneficial qualities to it too you know it's just it's just a part of the life cycle Mm -hmm. you know and that doesn't mean I'm like not scared by death or like I 
like wish to live a while Mm -hmm. with my partner Mm -hmm. here, you know, and, you know, there's still that like, shoot, I really like want to be here experiencing and sharing, sharing stories and thoughts Mm -hmm. like that. That's like, to me, what I feel like I would miss the most. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like, I'll full circle it back to like, when my cat died and he was 21 and I was 21, you know, I had these like thoughts of, I'm not going to be like conscious anymore thinking, thinking with others, you know? So it was, yeah, this like fear of not having a consciousness, you know, an, an individual consciousness. It wasn't like a, a fear of like breaking down into the earth type of thing right but it's like if you aren't if, if you if i'm not misha who am i yeah. when i die yeah. yeah and i guess maybe that's a little like self-absorbed and <laughs> i don't know i mean i guess like humans kind of are a little bit yeah you, know? you have to like allow yourself to be a little human yeah. sometimes right for be sure. above it but then also be in it because yeah. i feel like a lot of this conversation we we have been above like a human experience, but then we also come back to like, well, I am kind of afraid of death or like, yeah. or I think about it and I'm like, ah, you know, you're not like, just cause I can talk about it so openly. Like this doesn't mean that I'm like open armed, like bring it on baby, totally. you know? Cause it's like, I'm sure once I'm on my deathbed, they'll be like, ah, fuck. Yeah. All right. This is it. You know, Absolutely. do I believe it's a doorway? Can I hold on to those beliefs now that I'm facing it? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And humans are complicated, mm-hmm. you know, like we, I'm like amazed that I can have opposite, like extreme opposite thoughts in like one day, you know, right. like that, that's just like who, who humans are. Mm-hmm. And I think we should be a little bit more okay with, with that concept. Like, yeah, being scared of death, but also like being like trying to work through it and to like, yeah, to figure out how to be okay mm-hmm. with it. I mean, that's the whole concept of like, terminally ill uh, cancer patients taking mm. psilocybe yeah. um, to deal to deal with death it it makes it easier you know that that's mm-hmm. like the concept is is it it makes it like inevitable and you become okay with this is like a bigger part of just the cycle mm-hmm. of life you know and i've don't have the experience that a, a terminally ill cancer patient does with with mushrooms but like I can identify with the like acceptance of death and just just being okay with it and mushrooms can kind of help help with that with yeah. just calming calming the anxiety mm. about it and like trying to hold on to mm. your life releases that grip a bit yeah that's so beautiful because we were just talking about how like mushrooms like literally break things down in nature and decompose and then like the psychedelic mushrooms that we ingest like help bring us closer Mm -hmm. to death if that's where we need to go Mm -hmm. and i was telling you i had um eaten some psychedelic mushrooms not too long ago and it was like a lot of shadow work the whole time Mm -hmm. and it was really like a dark place that it took me And it was like, 
almost looking at parts of myself that were dying. And I was like, I felt like the mushrooms were highlighting the fact that I was clinging to it. You know what I mean? And I was clinging to things that did not serve me like insecurities. Right. But I had identified with these insecurities for so long that as I felt them dying, I was like, wait, 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 I, I want to be insecure. Like, I'd like it cause it's comfortable. This is like, I, I know this territory well. And then mm-hmm. the mushrooms were like, let it die. Yeah. Let it die. Totally. And that is so like, wow, what a beautiful way to like connect, like, the decomposing of just like physical matter and then the like the shedding of like fears internally when 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 and if we ingest like psilocybin yeah wow yeah and they they are like maybe they are the like the figure of death like guiding mm-hmm. guiding people from this like liminal liminal zone into this other space so, yeah. you know maybe like the, I always thought it was kind of like a cheesy, vilifying way of viewing them, but maybe that's like correct. We just like view it in a negative way. Like mm-hmm. shouldn't the guide, the the guide that wants to take us from point A to point B in this kind of weird, weird space we don't know, like that, that's a beautiful role to play and such a unique role, you know, that the, the, they're like filling this liminal niche that, that's that's actually a positive thing to to view them as you know mm-hmm. it's like type of death guide figure like in, a in death a lot of doula different... yeah <laughs> like birthing death yeah i mean we always have the like the guy with the black hood and the what's, what's the that scythe thing? or whatever. i don't know what the heck i should know what's that called? what's that dude called death it's yeah. called death yeah that's true like, i don't that's know the his card. other name uh but... there, there's like a name for them like all together i forget i know that one of my my demon friends that would be listening to this is like i know the name of that yeah but yeah yeah. But yeah just death <laughs> they will yeah they're like mm-hmm, i know <laughs> but yeah i mean like we should view that as a like a useful useful role yeah they're like they're breaking everything down in forests and different ecosystems and like creating new new life i mean it's it sounds really stereotypical but i mean but it's what's happening yep you know what i mean totally yeah Yeah. shit death and fungi death and fungi (laughs) yeah that'll be the title of this episode (laughs) death and fungi with a farmer (laughs) farmers only dot podcast (laughs) this is an attractive one (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna get great boobs when we die Yellow swollen boobs. That's what I'm talking about. That's what about. I'm looking for. It's something to look forward to with death. Yeah. Right? And then like mushrooms growing out of me. Like, oh man. I hope they grow so out beautiful. of my eyeballs. Right. They like those orifices yeah. for sure. Those porous orifices. <laughs> Port Orford cedar. <laughs> my body smells like Port Orford cedar. <laughs>